everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I have to pause and say that we are about to celebrate 12 years, and um, it seems like just five minutes. Um, I certainly don't look any older, and Nikki, of course, you don't either. Um, and we have a great show today, but before I get into that, you want to talk a little about what's going on in the world? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, every week we put out the list or you want the online e-zine, we list everything that's going on in the DC metro area. And even though we are still in the middle of this pandemic, so you better be wearing a mask and have that hand sanitizer on you. There is still so much going on around the city. So check out our calendar. You'll see every food and wine event happening both in person and online. So much delicious ways to partake. And believe it or not, restaurants are not just reopening and relaunching their patios, but there are new restaurants. So check out openings to find out the latest about some of the delicious ways you can eat around the city. You ready to roll? Hit it. All right. Well, uh, despite the pandemic and all the, the issues with COVID-19, the Rammies are surging forward. They're coming up in really a couple of weeks, right? September 20th. Be there, be square. Guess who's going to be presenting me nikki Nellis. yes um and we've got a rammy nominee with us uh, now caboose brewing company is a rammy nominee for the beer program of the year mm-hmm. co-owner jen mclaughlin is with us and we're going to be talking to her in a moment and despite the rainy weather right now it's still prime barbecue season just in time for labor day the h street northeast corridor has finally got its own barbecue joint it's, it's called smoking pig no g on there smoking pig it opens on september 3rd and pitmaster Sean McWhirt is going to join us to chat all about it. And we all know that COVID-19 sucks. And if you've ever thought about chucking it all and just, you know, reorienting your life to Italy, um, you can't do it. But Linda and George Myers beat you to it. They're the founders of uh, Cook in Tuscany. It's an immersive cooking school that hosts week-long culinary vacations in their 19-room boutique hotel in Tuscany. Damn them. <laughs> so we're going to be talking to them shortly. And uh, uh, I'm going to be jealous. And so is Andy. <clears throat> Pardon me. And Apiu African Bar and Grill on 9th Street Northwest features West African food and culture. Um, and it's uh, a brand new restaurant. And Prince from Apiu Bar and Grill is going to join us to talk about the food, uh, which we tried the other night, which was delicious. Uh, just watch out for the pepper soup, I say. Yes. Okay. Right. So, so, Mitch Berliner. Ma- hey, Mitch. So every week we bring on Mitch uh, Berliner or Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets to tell us what's at market. Mitch, what do we have at market this week? Well, thanks for asking. Um, Congratulations on your anniversary. It's unbelievable. I have a good lawyer if it doesn't work out. Anyway. It's been 25 years. Who knew? Maybe the lawyer could just read her my will. Mm -hmm. Right. So to make a long story short, first let me tell your your, uh, listeners that uh, we are open rain or shine, Central Farm Markets, as are really most farm markets. So um, if there's... The best thing to do is whatever your favorite farm market is, in our case, go to centralfarmmarkets.com and sign up. So if there's ever really, really inclement weather, usually if it's a snowstorm, you'll know. Mm -hmm. Um, What's new with the market? we got some really cool things. First of all, we have figs, local figs, hard to grow because they can get frosted out. But uh, Twin Springs is bringing it to all three markets, and it's called um, Hardy Chicago or Chicago Hardy, and they really are 
unbelievable. It's in Chicago. Growing three kinds of seedless grapes. Another sort of unusual thing for the East Coast. They're eating grapes, not wine grapes. They're delicious. And uh, we have a new chef at the market that uh, his dream, Chef John Wood, he wanted to uh, open his own restaurant. He was at Barrel and Crow and just about to sign his lease. And that was the end of that. So he's uh, got himself a kitchen and is making the most fabulous pastas, filled pastas, sauces, etc. And he's was, at, he there, was he there last week? Yes, he was. No, because there was a line of people, socially distanced line of people who were waiting to get uh, his pastas. Yeah, he makes them all night long. They're super fresh. They're out of this world. We've had a bunch of them today. One of his specialties is a raviolis uh, sauteed with roasted duck. So mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. Well, let me also tell you about the uh, Jewish holidays for those of the Jewish faith. There's um, yeah, high holiday ordering, pre-ordering. So if you, again, go to the website, mm -hmm. um, you'll be able to find out uh, with an easy click all the different vendors, particularly bakers, they will have all kinds of things for the high holidays. Excellent. Another very unusual thing from Twin Valley. We are the first market, and that's Twin Valley, the distiller, who's the first distiller in Montgomery County since Prohibition. Mm -hmm. He's making, he's got the license to make wipes. You can't find Lysol wipes or other wipes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Wipes at the market that uh, he's got the machinery and they're selling for a huge bucket for a very reasonable price. So that puts whole new meaning on the phrase. I've been drinking all night. Now I'm wiped out. But um, on that note, tell everybody where they can find central farm markets online, please. I will do that. So you can come to our market in person. You can get a drive through, you can get a walk up or you can get it delivered to your home. Just go to, centralfarmmarkets.com mm -hmm. to sign up and uh, find out our three locations one at pike and rose and thanks you for visiting last saturday mm -hmm. every saturday we are one in downtown bethesda on sunday and nova central on the church of the holy comforter in um vienna virginia and thank you thank you mitch okay great so every week we um we have been featuring Rami nominees. Uh, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington and their team have been working so hard to support restaurants through, I mean, they always support restaurants, but throughout the pandemic, they have been working extra, extra hard. And there were some real questions as to whether or not to still host the Rammies this year. And collectively, the restaurant industry has said, yeah, you are. So uh, we're so excited that we've been able to feature all the different nominees throughout uh, the summer. And uh, this week we have a Rammy nominee for Beer Program of the Year, uh, Jennifer McLaughlin. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, you got it. Okay, great. So we're so excited to have you with us. We had Caboose Brewery on the show, I don't know, like two mm -hmm. years ago. Two years ago I think, but yeah. you did not, you were not able to make it. So we're no, so delighted we to were, have you. We were busy building or just opening or something like that. I don't remember. Well, we're delighted to have you. So for those who aren't familiar with Caboose, give us a little 411. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we have two locations in Northern Virginia. Um, the original location is in Vienna, right along the WNOD trail. So Vienna has an old red caboose and the WNOD used to be train tracks. So that's where the name caboose comes from. It's just a mm -hmm. Vienna shout out. Um, that one opened five years. We celebrated that over COVID. 
right at the beginning. And then the second location opened almost two years ago. Um, it's a very different location. The first is kind of small and sweet and it has farm to table. The next one, I call it my big friendly dragon. It's, it's very large. Um, same kind of, uh, same beer lineup, same um, general atmosphere. And that we took an old warehouse and transformed it and gave it some new life, transformed it into a restaurant brewery. Um, but the food's a little different. The atmosphere is a little different. Um, so tell us a little bit what that means. Like, what's the food like at Caboose A and what's it like at Caboose B? Yeah, so the, the food at Caboose A, um, that it, being the original location, we were definitely scratching our own itch with that one. We wanted good beer and really good food under one roof. Mm -hmm. um, we experienced that out in California and in Europe also. So we're like, all right, let's build this here so we can enjoy it ourselves. So it's um, farm to table. It's a little bit of elevated cuisine. Um, it's delicious. It's, we love it. it. But it's more it's like plated. We have in normal times, we have servers and that kind of thing. The second location is more... Um, just shareable food. Um, I mean, we have sandwiches and that kind of thing also, but it opens at seven o'clock in the morning. We are full coffee shop. Um, we have some of the farm to table, but not all of it is. Um, and whereas the first location really focuses on kind of a local cuisine, the second location has more of an international. Um, so, well, let me ask, are you a brewer or do you have I a- I am not, I'm a beer drinker. <laughs> Join the club. So let's talk about more the beer. Fun. So is the beer program the same for both properties or do each have unique beer programs? No, they are the same. Um, the original location hose, houses our hot side. So that's where all the wort is made. Um, mm -hmm. It's a fairly expensive component of the brewing process and you don't need a whole lot of the hot side, right? Like a 15 barrel brew takes four hours of one day. Um, and then you have to ferment. When you it, say so. that, like everybody knows that. Oh, well, right, right. So <laughs> I'm cooking in our bathroom right, right now. Right, we're, uh, doing, we're doing that too. A keg, like a college keg, right? That's a half barrel of beer. So okay. 30 of those is what we will make in one brew. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. And so at the Vienna location, we have six fermenters and um, those would be full all the time and the hothouse wasn't that busy. So when we opened the second location, we didn't duplicate the hothouse side. That's all fermentation and what we call cellaring. So we actually have a wort wagon and it looks like a dairy truck. So we make the wort, we pump the wort into the wort wagon and it drives across to the other location. We fill up the fermenters there. Neat. So we're brewing the, all the beer in one location um, and we have the same lineup at both locations. And what kind of beers are your, like how often are you doing seasonal beers? How often are you changing the beer program? I mean, beer is so- Are you doing um, collaborations with people? Right, it's so flexible, right? Yeah. I mean, any kind of wine spirit or beer is. So how, what do you guys, like as you've grown into it uh, in your five years, how has that evolved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have currently four flagship beers and all four of them we didn't have when we first opened, but definitely within the first few months, we had all of these beers. Um, and I'd say the first few years we had, most of our lineup was fairly standard throughout the whole year. Maybe half mm -hmm. the lineup was there year, all year round. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had seasonals, which would just keep coming back. Um, we now have, like I said, four flagship beers that are available year round. The rest of the 12 beers available, um, there's a few seasonals in there. Oktoberfest is coming out in a, in a couple of weeks. Our oh my God. I know, it's time. It's so depressing. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but then we have a lot of beers that are just experimental. We try it once. 
they're amazing, they're delicious, and we may or may not revisit them. All right, what's your position on pumpkin beer? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not much of a pumpkin beer. Girl. All right. um, no, I'm not. But you know what? People love it. So we're trying to this year. We're going to do our first pumpkin beer. Um, it's going to be a pumpkin cream ale, which is a little different than the standard pumpkin. We'll see. I don't know. Listen, you got to give the people what they want, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people love it. They're excited about it, right? They love the <laughs> Some people vote for the wrong guy, you know. It's just... So just quickly, because we have about a minute left, tell us about your involvement with the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington and what what a what a nominee nod really means to you. Because you're you're in a you're with great company. Yeah. So this year means a little bit different, to be honest, right? Um, we're we get to celebrate who we are, um, and there's just been a lack of celebration this year. Right. And so this is you know, a little tricked up um, as we're coming out and our, our business is OK now. We're OK. And we know that we're in a good place. Um, and having these uh, awards celebrations, just being able to celebrate our team and the hard work that we put into this. Um, it's, it's really exciting and we need some excitement. So, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Well, listen, we really appreciate you joining us this morning. Can you tell everybody where they can find Caboose? Where the, where the Caboose I are. Yes. <laughs> Well, always at our two restaurants in Vienna and Fairfax, um, but then we distribute to a lot of the local bottle shops as well. We've got six beers that are in cans right now, um, and they're all over North Virginia and D.C. and Richmond soon. Tell us where we can find you online. Oh, online. Caboosebrewing.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Nikki and David Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, we got some barbecue in our future. All right, we are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And several years ago, we had our next guest on, and his ribs were so memorable, not the ones in his body, but the ones that he cooked that we ate. <laughs> so good that I can't, I'm still salivating. Uh, Pitmaster Sean McWhirter is with us. He's got a new place called The Smoking Pig that opens on September 3rd. And uh, we can't wait. We really can't wait. So just in time for Labor Day. <laughs> DC's got a great new uh, barbecue place, and Sean is the man. So, Sean, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hi, thank you all for having me. Absolutely. So how did you get into ribs and into barbecue? Yeah, I don't think he got into How barbecue. did I get Well, you know, I mean, barbecue. you know, I mean, the whole thing. Like, uh, were you just always, you know, loving it, or is this something new for you? Yeah, it was more of a family tradition. As you see the older guys in your family when they sit around and they're cooking and stuff like that, having a good time when we have a family event. And it was something that just stuck with me. You know, after I learned how to really cook and get down, I was, you know, I was ready to take it to a level. I just picked a lane. And barbecue was my lane. So <laughs> I picked it. Was, I stayed in it. A, as a kid, what were they cooking? Like, and how were they cooking? And then what did you take from that? Oh, wait, you talking about with our family? Oh, it was like yeah, on the grill. Like, what were you cooking when you were young with your family? Like, what were they making? Oh, they was making, um... Ribs, you know, ribs, hamburgers, hot dogs, and, you know, it wasn't, we wasn't doing brisket yet, you know, but they was cooking whole hogs and stuff like that, putting it to the ground, cooking it like that. So it was like a lot of different methods I've seen growing up, because well, I have a lot of family that's down south. Mm-hmm. Well, there are lots of different they styles, buy- though, because, I mean, you got Texas, you got Kansas City, North Carolina, St. Louis, so what were you guys cooking? Well, when coming up with the, the parents, it was just regular old South Carolina style, just a vinegar-based barbecue sauce and, you know, cooking it like that. Mm-hmm. And I was, 
I was more intrigued on once I learned how to do the South Carolina style, I wanted to open up my mind and, you know, learn more. So when I got in the barbecue business, I was learning about the Kansas City style or the Texas style, you know. Um, St. Louis style cut rib, that's my favorite rib to work with because you're always going to get even bones all the way around the board. Mm-hmm. Well, can you talk so, about the different styles? Because I don't, you know, I think people are a little confused about all the different styles of barbecue because there are so many and it's it really speaks to a lot of different cultures around the, the country. Um, right. So tell us, like, what's the difference between Kansas City style ribs versus Texas? Texas, Texas style, more of, when you're, dealing with, when you're dealing with Texas more than anything, it's more of a dry rub based on anything. They really want you to, to taste the flavor of the ribs. They don't want to wet their ribs down. I think it's insulting to them <laughs> from, the, from the guys that I met, you know. They were telling me, he was like, look, man, if we're going to cook ribs like this, we're just going to use a dry rub. And we just gonna stick with that, and you don't even need no sauce. So when they, they was telling me about it. how, they don't mop it at all while it's smoking. They don't mop it. Nah, some 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 people don't. It's just a driver up, throw it, throw it in the smoker, or just throw it on the grill and just let it go. Hmm. Now, when you're dealing with like a Kansas City type of thing, they will mop their ribs because they had that sweet and savory type of thing going on up there, and they will mop their ribs. They will cook it, put barbecue sauce on it. That's not an option. <laughs> All right, so, well, I was going to ask you, so, you know, you talk about mopping it or dry rub and all of that. How important is the rib itself? I mean, do you source a special rib from a special place or are ribs ribs, well, and, you know? Well, all, all, ribs are, all ribs are not the same. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you have, you have a whole rib, you can, um, you're trying to break it down to be a St. Louis style cut, or you can just rock out with the regular rib how it is when you get it from your vendors. Um, what is a what is the St. Louis cut? What's the difference? The St. Louis cut. So we're cutting. Um, you'll get a whole rib, and we're cutting the tip off the top of the ribs, and we're just angling it out to be a nice, you know, a dynamic to it. So you just have a nice box rib to it. So you get twelve bones regardless, all the same size. Um, some ribs that you get, yeah. So some ribs that you get, they'll start off big at the at the top, and then and get a little at the bottom. Little, little at the bottom. So does that mean the people in St. Louis are finicky, and they want their ribs all the same? <laughs> like, yeah, they, just, they, want, they want all their ribs the same size regardless, no matter what. <laughs> so, okay, so St. Louis ribs, but then you also have baby back ribs, right? Baby back baby back ribs come from, yeah, baby back ribs are everybody's a little bit of short, a little bit short stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, you still get the 12 bones regardless, but they're just a little bit smaller. And more like finger food. So are when you they, cut them and stuff like that. Why, there... why are they called baby back? Why are they called baby back ribs? Because yeah. <laughs> of the, the style of cut, the cut, the cut of meat it is. Oh. It comes from the babies. Yeah, the so the style of... Duh. <laughs> so the style, the, the cut of the rib is why they call baby back rib. Okay, so when you were putting together your menu for smoke and pig. What was it? I mean, what, what kind of experience were you looking for people to have? Uh, the experience when it comes to the smoke and pig, um, this is a new thing for me and at the location that we're at, because we're located at 1208 8th street. Um, Northeast. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, um, great location. I picked the St. Louis. Yeah. I'm picking the St. Louis style because 
I'm really, really trying to, just because we open, we're really just trying to get test ground on all type of bases when it comes to these type of foods, especially when it comes to the um, ribs. People, a lot of people really love ribs, a lot of pork ribs. <laughs> we don't really deal with too much beef ribs because they don't have a lot of meat on the bones. <laughs> You'll be wasting your money when it comes to that. <laughs> so when you're dealing with ribs, I think that people are, should go with short ribs and get those more than anything. But but our ribs that we deal with, um, I think the St. Louis style cut ribs that we're using, um, people love those. You know, regardless, you can't get away from them. I, the way I cook them is nice and tender. Um, that, never wrestling with the, the meats and stuff like that. And people enjoy it because they love the dry rub. And when I cook ribs with people, a lot of people tell me, like, man, I don't even need sauce for these things. And I'm like, you don't. And that's my whole goal is whenever I cook barbecue, you don't need sauce. You can just can enjoy the seasoning and the meat. And the meat's just melt in your mouth more than anything. Sean, I do have to ask you about something because you're doing some, you know, you're talking about traditional ribs and uh, Texas-style brisket and all that. You've got a smoked turkey leg that you're going to stuff with mac and cheese. What? Can you send over about six of those right now, please? What's that? <laughs> You know, I, I wish I was in front of you so when I give it to you, I can just see you just dig in. But the turkey legs that we are using, um, I brine my turkey legs and I'm smoking them. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I'm cutting it down the middle, I'm cutting it, splitting it right down the middle, and I'm just going to stuff it with mac and cheese, you know, yeah, throw some toppings on it. Anything that you probably like would want. Decadent huh? thing. That is the most decadent thing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> a two-on-one type of combination, you know? You ain't got to have it separated on the plate. You just can break it down right there. So now, are but, you going to be doing a lot of catering? Like, how are you um, How are you going to... Get around COVID. Get around COVID, because, I mean, those spaces on 8th Street are tiny. Yeah, so what happens is, more than anything, I think that um, the internet is a, is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, um, the Grubhub and the Ubers and all the delivery services and stuff like that, those people are wonderful because what they do is they help a lot of restaurants stay in business. Mm-hmm. Um, keep, you know, even though everything, like, slows up inside the restaurant, you still have people at home that still loves to enjoy good cooking. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, um, places I've been, I've seen, even though this COVID situation is um, slowing down, a lot of things, a lot of business and stuff, mm-hmm. but that internet, and the delivery services, they help with the restaurant. We would love to have people Which come to the restaurant. Which are you going to be on? Because you open on uh, September 3rd, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So what service can people use to um, to order, especially like with Labor Day coming up? Um, why not order all your barbecue and a turkey leg stuff? You can. And cheese? Oh, you can, you, can, you can come in. You can order all the turkey legs that you want. Mm-hmm. And we will provide. <laughs> Cause that's going to be a signature dish of ours, you know, so they will always be on deck with the ribs, the brisket and the chicken wings and our whole chickens that we do have. Um, we have a lot of good sandwiches that we're trying to do. And people, when we open up, I just, I tell people when you come into the restaurant or just make sure that you have your mask on, have your gloves, respect another person's face when you come in so you won't get sick because All what right. we want to do is what, huh? No, I was going to say that's good advice because a lot of people oh, like yeah. ignore that. So tell everybody where Smoking Pig is. It opens on September 3rd over in the H Street Quarter. But what's your exact address and where can we find you online? Online. All right. So if you want to reach us, if you want to, if you're driving, um, come past 1208 H Street, the smoking legendary Smoking Pig. 
And I think it's at www.legendarysmokingpig.com. You can reach us there. And I hope to see people, and I hope to get your orders online. You come out, and, hey, I'm going to give you good food all the time. Quality food. I'll see you, Sean. Thank you so much. All right. This is uh, David and Nick Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, we're going to Italy. Andiamo in Italia. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and our next guests are two people that I've just met and already dislike intensely, but it's mostly because I'm a small person. Uh, Linda and George Myers uh, have a home in Haymarket, Virginia, but they also have a home in Tuscany, and they're the founders of Cook in Tuscany, which is an immersive cook school that hosts culinary vacations in their 19-room boutique hotel in La Chiusa, which is in the hills of Montefolinico well, in Toscana. And I'm looking at these guys, and they look way too happy and satisfied with life. But we're glad to have you join us from Italy. Benvenuti al Foodie and the Beast. Hey, ciao, y'all. Ciao, ciao y'all. Don't worry, I'm, um, I'm going to toast with my bottle of wine here and my glass of wine in my vineyard your hatred of us so right now. Excellent. So salute Right, and I'm going to go into the restroom and blow my brains out. All right. We have to actually have an interview with these four All right, all right. Okay, so guys, let's talk. George and Linda, how did you wind up in Italy? Because you're from the States. I mean, and now you have this boutique hotel. Like, talk about, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, so I'm a retired Air Force pilot, which means that we moved around a lot. So our last place we retired, we retired out of California, but went back to the Virginia area. So I've spent a lot of time over flying around Italy. And Linda and I were just, we, when we go on vacation, we don't really plan. And, you know, think before maps, you know, before, I mean, using maps before phones, right. you just drive around and you find different places. And that's where we found this place. And Linda has always been every cooking school, teach people how to cook. So we did that for a long time. And then we, the place where we were staying with our cooking school, these uh, people, they've had their restaurant and a hotel, and they were always saying, they're getting older, and saying, we're retiring, you guys should take it. We went, nah, it's okay. Finally, they went, no, we're really retiring, you should take it. So, 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 so not knowing anything about restaurants and a hotel, it sounded like a great idea. So, here we are. And 18 rooms and a thousand olive trees and 40 fruit trees and two gardens. We had no idea. Yeah, then here's the whole bit, yes. And cooking Tuscany was really great. And you know, it just started out as friends and family, and now it's about 400 people a year who come to visit us for a week, which turned into cooking Mexico and cooking Cuba and cooking France, and we just keep going, keep going, yeah. keep going. Okay, so I, let's explain that a little bit, because we have, like, two things going on here. You have this property in yeah. Italy that people can come to, but then you also have a cooking school, right? Or this cooking travel? Like what, explain it a little better. Well, I'll let Linda explain that part, but I'll let you know that, you know, when we get bored here in Italy, we actually spend six weeks in Bordeaux, France. So we're cooking France. Cook France. So if you got another reason there, um, not to like us. So David doesn't, go. I'll come. David doesn't like France, I, but I do. Oh, well, then that's good. Well, good, because there's a lot of good wine there, so I don't have any competition. That's good. Uh, so, okay, so explain that you have a cooking school. Explain how it works. I was a teacher. George was retired Air Force. Just life changes. We gave up our life. Of course, we didn't sell everything, but we did give up our own lives. We moved here thinking, let's see what happens. If it goes bust, we'll just have a year in Italy, which turned into people coming to visit us for 
from a Sunday to a Saturday. We do cooking lessons with the local women and local men of the village. All morning, we have five to seven course lunches with wine in the vineyards here at our hotel, at their restaurants. And then in the afternoon, we take people out to local um, historic sites and fun places and gelato shops. And then we go to a gourmet dinner. So we do that six days. They stay with us here at Lacusa. We live here on the property. So we're here with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just got to be a lot of fun. We're, we're here probably around eight or nine months out of the year now. We're in France for about a month and a half, two months. So yeah. here it is. When you're in France, are you doing the same thing? Are you hosting people in the same capacity? So are. you're like this little like travel agency almost right um we are kind of, well we are we're there so linda and i are with you all the time and the way it really started if you look back when we were um, like when we lived in san francisco i'm sorry what like, like when we lived in san francisco right we were stationed there with the military people would come to visit us and we could take you just like we can do in washington dc we can start you off in the morning and we'll end at 11 o'clock at night and we're going to hit all the things we need to hit. We're going to eat at the restaurants we need to eat at and do all the things. And that's the way it started here. People would just come and after a while you go, wow, we're entertaining people that we don't even know. And we're bringing them to different places, teaching them how to cook. But we don't teach, you know, the secret is that the Nona's teach and that you learn from the grandmothers of, of mm -hmm. the village. And so we do the same thing in France. And it's funny, though, because we have a hotel we stay at there. We know we're good friends with them. And just last year, they said, hey, why don't you guys buy our hotel? And we went, no, 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 no. One's enough. One's enough, yeah. So I, I got two questions for you. Number one, did you speak Italian before you got there? No, no. And now you're both fluent. Well, I am Linda's guy. Yeah. Yeah. I have some language issues. But the issue is, everyone wants to speak English. Too. Yeah. So I know. You don't get to practice very much. Now, I can understand what they're saying. So I know if they're saying, you know, here in the restaurant, and I'm very fluent in kitchen so mm -hmm. i don't worry about that but yeah it's tough yeah when, all right when well said, when we go to sicily we can't understand them down there and neither can our Italian. well when i yeah because it, it, they're like 55 different dialects i mean yeah. when i went to sicily i told them i was from florence and they believed me so you know <laughs> um so can you come to la Chiusa and just stay in it as a hotel yeah, without doing like well, could somebody work out an itinerary with you and they'd be like we'd like to do it this way you're very yeah. Flexible. Well, so it's interesting, right? So with COVID this year, we've had um, almost all of our cooking schools for the springtime were all canceled. Mm -hmm. All of our cooking, all the cooking classes. Well, they right? were moved to another. They year. were moved to another year. We right. just took comedy people, right? Right. And then what we, um, but the hotel we opened up June thirteenth, the hotel and a restaurant, mm -hmm. and we've been packed um, for the first two weeks. Nobody. But right. July we had about half, and right like right now we're fully booked. Restaurants maxed out and. And we'll continue through September, so that way. Well, so let's, so, yes. you know, Italy was such a, 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 a center of COVID, like, especially as, just as things were closing down here, you, Italy was like the heart of it, right? Like it was the epicenter. So you know, how was that for you guys? And then how were you able to, like, Italy did a much better job eventually than obviously what's going on here. So um, how were you able to roll with that? Like for people who don't know what happened in Italy, can you give us a little yeah. background? Yeah. Well, let me give you, I'll, I'll let Linda handle that, but I'll tell you, I was there in the Virginia area, Virginia, Washington. And 
it was crazy there. And so Linda was already here in February. So um, March 10th, I decided I'm done here in America. I'm going to where it's actually calmer and more good out in time. And I went to Italy. Well, we're residents, so it was good. And I went, and everybody went, you're going into the heart of it. I said, guys, it's so much calmer. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who is 31, also worked with us now full time. So she and I were already here when everything started. Um, we, so the, first of all, it was not that we, I never saw any coffins. I didn't go without food. There was nobody locking us in our houses or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I would say 90% of the issues really were in the northern part, in Lombardia, in that area. So we were not as affected down here in Tuscany as as the northern part. We still had grocery stores. We were asked kindly if we would just stay in our home state or our home region. Everybody accommodated, everybody wore masks. We, you know, the grocery stores were open. So really, as much as I got emails and messages saying, oh my God, are you okay? Do you are you all right? We were really fine. And then once it all lifted, everybody was still. I mean, people coming to the hotel still put on a mask. They're very conscious of social distancing. Mm-hmm. We've had parties and dinners and everything. And everyone is very, very con- social conscious. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter said, she goes, Ma, you need to stay where you are. Because yeah. I was going to go home for a couple of weeks just to, you know, see the grandkids and stuff. And she was like, nope, don't go. You are better where you are. And really, we're back to normal here. I mean, all the Europeans are fill the hotel. There's parties. There's you know, all the shops are open, all the museums, everything it's, is regular. It's interesting is you walk down the street without a mask, but if you can't maintain social distance, you can go close to like, put the mask on. Yeah, people do that. It's an automatic thing. And, you put it on you your know. arm and you just do it. Right. I mean, I, it, it does not sound like brain surgery because it isn't. So um, it, it just makes so much sense. And now look, you guys are back, right? You're back in so, business. Well, let yeah. me ask you a question. What happens at La Chiusa during the winter? Because the pool's closed and all that. Are you there and people are still coming? Well, so we're open till January 5th. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for Thanksgiving week this week, this year, <laughs> Thanksgiving week this week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the week of Thanksgiving, we actually been contacted and working with one of the local military bases, the Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. They're actually going to, they're planning a trip here for the week where they're going to stay with us and we're going to do Thanksgiving for them, oh, which would be really you. nice. It'd be really nice to do that for them. And, we're open. Yeah. We're open till January fourth, um, and we have great Christmas markets here, mm-hmm. all in the little villages. So we're very fortunate that Refusa is open. The concierge is still here. The receptionist, everybody's here. Right. So mm-hmm. we have lots of visitors that come that don't want to do cooking markets. But you don't just have to come to Refusa to do cooking. You can do all kinds of things from ATVing to ballooning to just hikes. We do a yeah. yoga. We do. We have a passion week this on here in July, where we're really promoting our positivity and changing your life and going for what you really dream of. So mm. everybody's yeah. welcome. It's well, great. All our guests, um, our main guests for the cooking school come from Canada, the United, America, United States, and Australia. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the hotel here, we get from international. They're all international, right? Sure. So, but when you come here, people come here for the service because we do We'll set them up, whatever they want to do. If they want to go, we will plan their days or their week for them. Mm-hmm. Well, let them do, if they want to go and do um, wine, wine tasting, tasting, picnics, anything. Yeah. So you'll so, set up everything. You're like the hostess with the mostest people, we right? We a full concierge here who does everything, can set up any kind of tours, anything. When the cooking classes are here, 
Sometimes the cook, cook in Tuscany takes up this whole hotel. Sometimes we only take nine or 10 rooms. So there are, re there are guests and there's cook in Tuscany. We just all work together yeah. and move around okay. and it all goes well. When you come into cooking school, there's you don't worry about anything. You don't worry about anything. You it's just all inclusive, all the wine you can drink, all the food. Right, well. well, so how do people find out? Like, where can people go to find out, like, all the different ways that they can enjoy what you're doing? Uh, so at cookintuscany.com, C-O-O-K-I-N, Tuscany.com. There's links to the hotels and the restaurant on there, too. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you both for joining us this morning. It and sounds we, like you're having a really... And we appreciate the invitation to take six rooms <laughs> <laughs> and live there. And I hope you don't mind the dogs. Waiting, yes, I've you got know, a nice little caretaker shack in the back under the hollow tree. I don't care. That's no big deal. Uh, we, we usually come between Christmas and New Year's, so uh, okay, uh, I guess we're going to Italy again. Well, we, what, what we'll do is we'll plan that special because we love each other so much. I'm going to come back to the States when you come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. okay with me. I'll even take a couple of rooms in Haymarket. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're looking to go to yes, thank if you. You're looking to go to Italy, you now know where to go. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. All right. Well, we just finished with Italy, and now we're gonna we're gonna do like the Star Trek guys and whisk you to Ghana. Uh, we're on the phone with Prince Mate, and he is uh, the, with Apiu Bar and Grill in D.C. And uh, it features really spectacular West African food that we have sampled, and it's amazing. And uh, we're going to talk about it because I'm not sure everybody in our listening audience has been to or knows about Apiu. So, Prince, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to have you with us. And we were really fortunate earlier this week to get a taste of uh, several of the dishes that you offer um, at your restaurant. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you decided to start sharing uh, your culture and cuisine with the DC area. So I grew up in Ghana, um, did all my education in Ghana, mm -hmm. came to um, the United States sometime um, in the early 2000s. And I worked for a restaurant called Bukum Cafe. Oh, sure, in Adams Morgan. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I worked there for like 14 years. Mm. And then an opportunity um, came up for me to open my own. And um, growing up, I mostly hanged out in the kitchen, my mom's kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I knew a lot of um, the methods of cooking, the spices. And so when the opportunity came up, I decided to start my own. And that's where we are today. So... Let's talk about the kind of cuisine. I mean, I remember when Bukum Cafe opened and I remember taking friends there and watching sweat pour down their face <laughs> when they ate chicken wings. Yeah, um, that's what happened to me when I, when I ate your pepper soup. <laughs> but it was delicious. Yeah. Can we talk about the kinds of offerings? Because um, I think sometimes people are a little nervous to try cuisine that they don't know because they don't know what to order and they don't know what to expect. So how do you explain um, the cuisine? Well, for example, fufu mm -hmm. is made um, either with um, plantain or yuca. We say mm -hmm. cassava. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, we pound it in the mortar with a piston. But um, here, we get, the, we get it in the powder form. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of, you know, um, stir it in um, hot water. And then we get a um, dumpling form of the fufu. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the soups, you have a choice of the pepper soup, the peanut butter soup, 
Mm. Where in Ghana, we call it a groundnut soup mm -hmm. or the palm nut soup. So um, basically, most of these soups are cooked with spices from Ghana. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a lot of people who are daring to um, try our cuisine. And so it's very easy, you know, getting through them. So let's talk about the different soups and the spices. Like, what are the spices that you use with the different soups? Um, and, you know, for, for people who haven't had fufu, I found it um, to be similar to like a polenta. Right, Perfect. but not as grainy, smooth, like a smooth polenta. Well, it's more, it's it's more so, it's a more solid form too. You can kind of break it off. Yes, and use yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us about the spices that are used uh, that you like to use, and how did you take like the the cuisine that you grew up with and sort of make it your own? Well, the basic um, spices are ginger and garlic. Mm -hmm. um, the other peculiar spices are basically from Ghana. And um, I'm just going to give you the Ghanaian names. That's <laughs> because, fine. So there's one called um, Wisa. Mm -hmm. Wisa is basically very spicy and flavorful. And then we have the Prekese. The Prekese basically is used in palm nut soups. Okay. Um, but um, without those spices, you're not going to get the right taste of the food, of the soup. Mm -hmm. So we do our best to make sure that we have the spices come from Ghana periodically. Sure, because I assume people are not growing them here, right? No, they're not. Right. So you get the herbs and you get the spices and you're able to uh, create the same sort of dishes. Um, if I were coming in, so now we had your goat burger. Okay. So, you know, goat is not on the menus at every restaurant, right? But it's very uh, big in West African cultures. So is it hard to sell that here? Well, we just started. It's been an idea that I've been dealing with for the past two years mm -hmm. as to how to create a burger that is not common. Um, and goats, it's not easy to find in a, um, in a boneless form. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to... Um, come up with it. But finally we have, and um, we use the spices that we use for suya, you know, the kebab, the African kebab that is sure. in West Africa. Mm -hmm. So we use those spices. And then, you know, of course you have to use the, um, <laughs> the American bread burger. Yes. And, um, so it's a little copycat of the American burger, but the meat and the spices are very Ghanaian. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I thought it was delicious. It's, it, um, you know, it's, I think people, some people don't like goat because they think it's gamey, but I, the burger is not gamey at all. It's still, it's just, and it's really fragrant. Like when that came into the house, you could really smell it. It was beautiful. Thank you. Um, so is that sort of something that you're doing like, um, like a pop-up or you're, it's regularly on the menu now? Now it's regularly on the menu because... Mm -hmm. I love burgers, but I only try to eat goat. So I developed that to make sure that anytime I want to eat a burger, there is a goat burger available. <laughs> that makes <laughs> that sense. That is very selfish. That okay. is really so cool. I have a question for you. There was a note in, in the information you sent that said that Ghanaian kitchens are basically no waste kitchens. Mm -hmm. So can you explain that a little? Yeah, for example, the palm nut. The palm nut tree is very uh, versatile in terms of the items that you can get out of it. Um, so the palm nut, basically, you start it off, you pound it, you get a soup out of it. The husk 
can be used in making fire. Mm -hmm. um, the nuts can be used in making oil, palm oil. And then you have the palm kernel oil. So majority of the items in the Ghanaian kitchen is wasteless. You can use almost every part of the items. Mm. That's so, um, that's amazing. And I would assume like in the time of COVID, that's even more helpful, right? Because it keeps your kitchen super clean and easy. Sure, it does. So one other question, because we talked about spices, but we really didn't talk about some of the staple ingredients. And um, I noticed on here, I mean, you have in your notes, mashed potatoes, corn products and all. Are, are potatoes, I don't know where potatoes came from originally. Are potatoes originally from West Africa? I mean, where did, where did the Irish and the Americans and the Russians and the Ukrainians and all that get potatoes? Well, um, we hardly use potatoes. Mm -hmm. Our form of potatoes is yam. The oh, the yam. Okay. African mm -hmm. yam. And, and is, it, is it um, featured in a, every dish? Like, is it, you know how, like, some cultures, like, there's something in every dish? Monster. Yeah. No, so the yam basically is made into fufu. So you have yam fufu. Uh-huh. And also... And how does that change? What's the difference between the textures, between, like, a yam fufu versus a cassava fufu? I think the yam fufu is smoother. Oh, really? Okay. It's a little smoother. And um, the cassava fufu is a little also starchier. It's got <laughs> more starch in it than the yam. Um, also, the yam can be made into chips. So instead of um, fries, we right? have yam chips. We had some, and they were delicious. I'm glad you did. <laughs> and the sauce that you sent me. Yeah, the it. sauce was crazy. So what's the sauce? So basically, again, the sauce, we started off with mayonnaise, mm -hmm. and then we put our own special spices, um, including the suya spice, mm -hmm. um, and other, you know, secret ingredients that we put into. Um, You're not going to share with us? You're not going to tell us what you're saying? I'm sure I've shared enough. <laughs> <laughs> so the suya spice, like I said, hot peppers. Mm -hmm. and, um, something we called um a foam whistle mm -hmm. yes so we blend all that and then we mix it into the mayonnaise oh well it was um a dip for the um, cassava chips so now that you've reopened um after covid aside from the goat burger did you put some new things on the menu like were you looking for ways to engage with people like for more to go and etc Yes, we did. We also added the um, seafood okra. Mm -hmm. Since, you know, we had complaints that we, not, we didn't have enough seafood on the menu, mm -hmm. um, we wanted to create a cultural seafood um, um, diet. So we added um, okra with um, shrimp, um, octopus, and some fish. And um, you can eat that with fufu as well. Of course, I assume you can use fufu with almost, I mean, except for the burger, but like you would eat it with almost everything. Yeah, fufu is like, does fufu come to the table the way some restaurants give you bread? No. Fufu well, has to be ordered as a side with any kind of soup that you order. Got it. Well, so tell, can you please tell us, tell us where um, we can find you and uh, what services you use as a way uh, so people can do to go um, and where you are. So... We're located on 9th Street, 9th and U. Mm -hmm. The address is 1924 9th Street, Northwest DC. Mm -hmm. um, 
we've always used Uber Eats, um, DoorDash, GrubHub for our deliveries. Okay, great. Um, we also offer catering mm. for large parties, offices, homes. Um, we've, um, we've stayed open during COVID doing only deliveries but now like like you said we open for dining mm -hmm. do you that, have outdoor you have outdoor dining that's the only thing that is missing the outdoor dining yes ma'am <laughs> it's hard man i hear you it's really tough yeah so um actually we are looking to have a space that has an outdoor sitting and mm -hmm. we haven't found it yet but okay. we're still looking well uh, you'll keep us posted right yes i will and okay uh, good yeah, so basically you can come in to dine, but um, protocol requires that you go on our website and fill in the RSVP form to um, maintain social um, contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, contact, um, how do you call it? All right. Social distancing, of course, and wearing a mask. And then um, contact tracing. Right. Uh, oh, good for you. That's great. Yeah, that is. All right. Well, everybody, uh, we had the food from Apiu, and it's delicious. And if you are wondering about fufu, get yourself some fufu and dip it in those soups and then have a beer or something around because that pepper soup is spicy. We ate the whole thing, but it's spicy. It's good. Yeah. All right, Prince, thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. It's always my pleasure. I'll be looking to see you come in and dine in. We, we will be there. We cannot wait. Thank you, friends. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you, Chad. Right. Okay. So we want to thank everybody for joining us today on Foodie and the Beast. Um, we did a lot of traveling, didn't we? We went to Italy. We went to Ghana. We had some barbecue. We got our beer on. Um, so much deliciousness is going on in and around the D.C. metro area. Um, We've got a Labor Day. The summer is over. We have a three-day weekend coming up. Head to the list, areyouonit.com for all your uh, Labor Day needs. There are um, activations and things happening around the city that you need to be socially distanced for, but you can still uh, participate in it. So go to the list, areyouonit.com for that. Of course, you can check out all of the Foodie and the Beast on the website as well. Um, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. So please wear a mask, socially distance, have your hand sanitizer on you, be safe, and we'll see you in two weeks.